and welcome to the March edition of Dick's Picks Remix version. Carter's oh, no. Picks. <laughs> it's happened Carter. again. And with me is a very I'm excited Dick. Mr. Dick. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Dick. I am. I'm. I'm excited. I like this movie. Usually, uh, you know. I'm not excited when you choose because I, I'm a control freak, but well, yeah, I this was fine. This was good. One of the more outrageous picks I could come up with with the French all singing Umbrellas oh. and Schimborg musical. <laughs> this is, this is a little more mainstream. <laughs> definitely. It, I'd say mainstream and ahead of its time. Oh, definitely. Uh, so this month on Carter's Picks... We are going to give you a movie available to stream on YouTube. It is The Manchurian Candidate, directed by John no Frankenheimer. Way. YouTube? You s- are there ads on the YouTube? I don't think so. How oh did you watch God. it? I watched it on I watched it on Pluto TV. It was so tedious. There were oh, just really? ads <laughs> every every five minutes for you know like insurance companies or retirement homes it was uh it was too much to handle a little bit but of i made it through going on but- oh <laughs> yes yeah directed by john yeah. frankenheimer are you familiar with the work of, of mr frankenheimer no you haven't seen ronin the de niro heist movie from the 90s he also did reindeer no. games starring ben affleck oh uh I've heard about reindeer games from how did this get made? I believe it's an allegory. He is a, uh, supposed to be Rudolph. Is that right? I, I can't remember the human, sort of intricacies human form. of the subplot. <laughs> I don't think that's right. It's like an action movie. Okay. Huh. I thought it was a Christmas movie. Maybe, uh, maybe we should give that one a shot. I don't know. I think you should. Ronan is incredible from 98. Uh, this one I think I, I remember movie. seeing it. I get that confused with Heat. You know, they're similar. Those two are like, yeah. Ronan was actually the Ronin, first movie like I ever purchased on uh, on Blu-ray. So a little bit of <laughs> bio trivia for me, but he sort of popped out. Uh, 1962 was a huge year for him. Birdman of Alcatraz was like a big deal that year. I watched that over the winter. Maybe the most boring movie I've ever seen. Um, which says a lot because I've seen a lot of boring huh. movies, but this one is a uh, much, much yeah. more exciting. <laughs> um, written by There's George some action. There's a. There, oh well, yeah, it's the first. Uh, I mean, we'll get it in the trivia later, but this is the first Hollywood movie to uh, include a martial arts fight scene. How about that? Oh yeah, they were they were rumbling and rolling and karate chopping and like <laughs> very yeah. uh, Austin Powers judo chops. Yeah. Um, so written by George Axelrod, famous for the seven year itch. Have you ever heard of that? No. You know that What's Marilyn that Monroe sort of iconic thing where like she walks over the subway grate and her skirt lifts up? You you're aware of that image. Yeah, sure. So that's yes, from that course, movie. Yes. That's from that movie. I think that's sort Where's of the, the itch? legacy. The itch is it's about a married couple in New York City in the fifties and uh the husband has to stay at home for work and the wife and the son go up to the country for summer vacation and Marilyn Monroe moves mm. in upstairs 
So the itch is oh. referring to the seven years of being married. You start to, you know, have your head turned by other people. It's a wow. very, very funny movie. Uh, okay. off as, as a Broadway play, actually. Um, but Those we're not, often we're not here well. to talk about the seven-year itch. <laughs> um, so Manchurian Candidate stars the great Frank Sinatra. Is this the first Frank Sinatra movie you've ever seen? He did, sing, he did Singing in the Rain, right? Mm-mm. He did, uh, and uh, what else did he do? I don't know. Then this might stuff. be the first one. Uh, well, he's in uh, From Here to Eternity. He's in, uh, um, I don't know. He's in a lot of stuff. <laughs> I can't I think just, of it right think, now. <laughs> I think we put on his Christmas album every year. I think that's, well, yeah, how, that's what he's know. best known for is being a singer. Yeah. And probably also at this point, he's better known for the character in The Godfather, who's based on him, that he got so upset mm. about it came out mm. um also starring was he the, the horse in his bed <laughs> basically yeah. yeah that was like a dramatization of uh how he got the role for from here to eternity um, okay okay this is sort of an aging frank sinatra in this one real real heavy smoking frank sinatra um <laughs> everyone <laughs> well yeah also starring lawrence harvey janet lee the mother of jamie lee curtis how about that for a fact? I had questions about Janet Lee throughout. I do throughout as well. <laughs> and finally, the great Murder She Wrote alumnus Angela Lansbury uh, in a but role that real. was originally intended for Lucille Ball. That would have been kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. But like Angela Lansbury does a, does a good job. She's, you know, she comes across very creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this, I think, is maybe the most interesting aspect of the movie. It came out October 24th, 1962, literally in the middle of the Cuban Missile Crisis, eight days after it started, and I think five days before it concluded. So talk about a yeah. hot button issue movie <laughs> when it came yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> they don't care about, who, they were just like, okay, the Chinese, the Russians, the North Koreans, any commies were going after them. They didn't care about who they offended or anything. No, meanwhile, the world is on the brink of annihilation. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, So actually very successful at the box office. It made $7.7 million on a $2.2 million budget. Um, Sweet. So this is a movie I had not seen until this year. Uh, I watched it for the first time in December, or I guess technically that's last year, but uh, I was on a big John Frankenheimer run, (laughs) as you do. Okay. Totally normal. (laughs) standard i guess there's probably a tcm marathon of him that you had to catch or something no i got it through uh i'm such a strange person that i still get dvds through the mail it was always called netflix we should have known we, I know. We should have known but uh it blew me away when i saw it for the first time surely this is the first time you've seen it oh yeah definitely uh, I was aware of the, we were talking before we started recording, of the, the 2004 remake, which I think I've seen bits of it on TV before, but never the whole thing. Uh, mm. I remember it was like very Man on Fire-ish, from what I remember, in terms of its sort of well, visual that's style. that's just the Denzel era, too. <laughs> yeah. The Deja Vu, yeah. <laughs> Man on Kinda, Fire. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yes, uh, uh, so we're going to get into some spoilers here, if you are interested in and seeing it spoiler free, you can watch it on YouTube or what? What did you say you watched it on? Pluto TV. I'm not I even aware of the YouTube. service. Is it? Is it free? 
Oh yeah, it's free TV. <laughs> it's beyond all free. The time. <laughs> yeah, it's on all your whatever streaming devices. It's I mean, it's got lots of good movies, but you got to deal with the ads. Yeah. And and they're they're rough. I think for YouTube it's like you have to watch like 2 minutes of ads at the very beginning and then for the most part after that it's just like basically commercial free. I told you it was on YouTube. You should have trusted me. <laughs> I mean, I forgot. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It didn't so pop up when I talked into my remote. Oh yeah. So if you want to watch it spoiler free, stop here, watch it, come back and listen. But I think you'll enjoy it, uh, having not seen it anyway. Um, so we start the movie with two characters: Captain Bennett Marco, aka Frank Sinatra, and Sergeant Raymond Shaw, aka Lawrence Harvey. Driving up mm-hmm. to a brothel in Korea during the early Fun times. The yeah. <laughs> uh, Shaw goes inside. Marco waits in the truck. All the men are like, oh, Shaw's here. Screw this guy. Because he's very, very uppity. He disapproves of their behavior. And he is there to sort of corral the men to go on a scouting mission behind enemy lines that no one is too excited to leave their war brothel to go on a scouting mission. Um, he, he does not he is not a fan of boozing gambling and horror no and he makes it just, very much known to everyone that he isn't I'm a square <laughs> so the, the, the platoon is dependent on a local scout uh, who gives them up to quickly gives them up to Soviet and Chinese soldiers like immediately um, yeah <laughs> he, he does something I don't know about the tactic they're like what do you how do we get through this land and he's like well there's uh sink wells or something or or yeah. quicksand like we gotta go yeah marshland so he gets them in a, like sitting ducks in a order and then they just pounce on them yeah <laughs> corral them all three days later they're back shaw and marco return to u.n lines two members of the platoon are missing they're regarded as killed in action upon marco's recommendation shaw is awarded the Medal of Honor for saving his soldiers, his fellow soldiers' lives in combat. Uh, although the two men, mm-hmm. as we mentioned, were killed in action, unfortunately. Uh, we get, we get a nice little should have gotten this. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, this, uh, <laughs> we got a nice it's, little it's, it's, it, about the Medal of Honor, talking about how just because Raymond Shaw's, I, I thought it was just because Shaw's stepdad was a senator, so they were like, got to boost his credentials. Yeah, you see all the generals saluting him. Mm-hmm. Shaw mm-hmm. wants no part of it. He won the Medal of Honor, but he he's disgusted by this whole charade. Um, yeah, it's a traumatic experience. <laughs> he, he returns to the U.S. His heroism is is going to be exploited by his politically motivated mother, Eleanor Iselin. Uh, played by Angela Lansbury, whose plans are to further the career of her husband, Senator John Eislin, who is uh, initially presented as sort of a, a bumbling idiot on his very fancy private plane. Oh, uh, bought by like one of his packs, like yes. donated to his campaign. <laughs> He's like, this, this is where we sleep. It makes campaigning so easy. Gosh. And he had like a disco ball in it. And it was just, uh, he's like, this, worry is, this is my box. office. And he shows him like mm-hmm. the bar with the disco ball. Mm-hmm. Um, so Shaw basically verbally abuses both of them and tells his mom he's taking a job in New York with Holborn Gaines, who's a renowned political journalist who sort of frequently attacks Senator Island, who's 
basically like a McCarthy sort of figure. Yeah, uh, Senator Joseph McCarthy, who did the uh, the Red Scare sort of stuff for the fifties for listeners who are who didn't take AP U.S. history. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Marco, meanwhile, is promoted to major. He's assigned to Army Intelligence in Washington, but he has a problem. Nightmares. He, he has a recurring nightmare, and this he, is where the, the movie, first step to get. Right. This is where the movie really I takes think- off. I think the first step he should he should take to stop the nightmares is to stop going to bed wearing his army uniform. You, know? <laughs> you think that's triggering? Yeah, I think maybe he should take a nice, you know, cold shower and then put on some PJs. Have know? a sleep routine. Yeah, sleep Let's hygiene is pass out in your uniform. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's a mess. So this nightmare—it's a recurring one. He has it every night. It begins with the whole platoon just sort of smoking, hanging out in the lobby of a hotel at a meeting of a gardening gardening committee of elderly ladies who are talking about gardenias. Yeah. Um, hydrangeas. Hydrangeas, that's it. Look it's at, look torture at the either way. Yeah. <laughs> either so way, it's tortured. We get this incredible shot where it sort of rotates 360 degrees to show everyone. It shows the whole platoon. It shows all the ladies in the crowd. But once we go one way around, the speaker changes from an old lady talking about hydrangeas to a mustachioed, bald, communist psychiatrist. And Mm -hmm. prominent pictures of Mao Zedong and Stalin are revealed behind the psychiatrist while he delivers an address about hypnotism to members of the Chinese and Russian intelligence and military figures uh, watching this whole thing go down. It was very cool. It's it was, a great scene. Yeah. Like, I wonder how many people were just like hiding below the camera shot and like popping in and popping out. Oh, yeah. Cause that? it's all just one, the one take. It's one where you're yeah. just watching. They're like, oh my God, how did they even do this? Um, yeah. In the dream, uh, they're all hypnotized. They're all just sort of acting like everything's normal. Uh, Shaw is asked if he's ever killed anyone. He says no, but he can't really remember if he's ever killed anyone in battle. And to sort of show the efficacy of this new technique, he, without hesitation, murders two soldiers from his own platoon. He chokes one of them with like a scarf. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he shoots the other guy in the head. But that isn't revealed in this initial dream. We see that in the later. And like, the, the, these victims are just like chill with it because they are <laughs> also hypnotized. Yeah, Marco's just smoking his cigarettes i think he even gives uh shaw his gun it's like oh it's, it's, it's fine um yeah and the guys he kills are just like oh uh wait why are you choking me i want to stop it no no, and then no the guy's no. like no no no, no no stop it <laughs> don't 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 feel a bother just go along mm-hmm. with it he's like okay um the dream so troubles major marco that he can't he can't work he can't do his job um, he's just like sweating in these meetings and smoking cigarettes nonstop. Everyone's like, God, you look like a mess. Uh, so he's so naturally he's transferred to PR. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Put him in front of people. That's... <laughs> yeah. So on an assignment at a press conference with the secretary of defense, sort of a routine sort of media junket, Senator Island interrupts the conference I, think it, uh, un- I don't think it was routine. I think uh, they were trying to like cut military thing. funding. Oh, okay. They were saying like, oh, we're all good. Like, so it, just so it would be funding. something communist infiltrators would do. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so under the supervision of, of Eleanor Island, Senator Island interrupts the conference and addresses the media, stating he has a list of the names of 212 members of the Communist Party who have infiltrated the Department of Defense. Um, the Secretary oh. of Defense goes crazy. He's like, get this idiot out of here. Yeah, um, Marco doesn't do anything to help. No. <laughs> not a good PR manager. He's just like, he's, maybe he's we not, shouldn't say anything. It's like he's Will Smith's PR manager. He's just like, let it happen. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, so Marco, although he is heads up at the end, he follows the senator into the coat closet, asks him to confirm the number. Eisen gives a different number. He says it's 267 now. So already we're starting to sort of wonder what's going on here. Um, and a, the next scene, we see another soldier from the platoon, Alan Melvin, who is one of the guys who was having a ball at the brothel, um, yep. showing his disdain for Shaw. He wakes up in terror after suffering the same nightmare as Marco. It's just that in his, it's an African-American ladies group instead of a white ladies group. Um, he wakes up, he tells his wife, Shaw is the kindest the warmest and the bravest man he has ever met. So his you wife says <laughs> in those dreams, they're also the, the, uh, the hypnotist is using a fun tobacco substitute. Did mm-hmm. you catch that? Mm-hmm. What do you think that is? You think it's weed? I, it's, I think, think it's probably something synthetic. Synthetic. Yeah. Mm, maybe that. Okay. Some like crazy. Maybe it's even opium. Know. Could it opium, be opium? Yeah. Yeah. Giving it back, to his wife? Uh, uh, the wife he just you know goes on about how great Shaw is, and the wife is like, "If he's so great, just write him a letter. See mm-hmm. what see what you think Shaw should do." <laughs> and mm-hmm. Melvin's like, "Yeah, yeah, I think I'll do that." Mm-hmm. And um, then I had an insurance ad immediately after. That. Oh, really? <laughs> like what a cliffhanger! <laughs> um, so the psychiatrist who ran the meeting in Marco's dream shows up in New York um, and has Shaw hospitalized under, under the pretense of having an accident. Um, he gives him a nice little head bandage. He can take on and off. Um, reactivates the hypnosis and mm-hmm. uses the time to sort of make sure the hypnosis is fully functioning. It began in Korea and he's sort of getting it back on track um, so that he can be used uh, for the purposes of an unknown operator in, in America. He um, says, he says to him, uh, he says, longing, rusted, furnace, daybreak, 17, <laughs> benign, nine, homecoming, one, freight car. And then uh, he's ready to go. Just classic hypnosis technique. He um, turns into the winter soldier. <laughs> basically, yeah. That was very winter soldier. The winter soldier thing is a uh, I wouldn't say it's a ripoff, but it's obviously influenced. Um, yeah. The head of Soviet security is also there, uh, or at least the head of Soviet security on the for the East Coast. Uh, he's a little hesitant. He doesn't want this guy just running amok. Um, so he demands a trial run be performed. Um, and they sort of flippantly decide on Shaw's boss, Holborn Gaines. Uh, Holborn Shaw's- Gaines, I don't know if he gives it at all his all in this movie. I don't yeah. know if he's giving it at all. <laughs> Uh, Shaw sneaks into his home during the night, finds him reading in, in bed, wearing his late wife's sort of puffy uh, pink nightgown. Um, How do you Shaw, know it's pink? I'm assuming it is. 
<laughs> this movie's <laughs> black and white. <laughs> you can just see it. You can, it's black and white, but you can see it clearly in color with your imagination. Um, uh-huh. So Shaw coldly. We don't, we don't imagine in black and white, and we only imagine in dreaming color now. That's exactly. The thing. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. Every every black and white movie you see, you fill in the color. It's like a color yep. book. Um, so he kills Gaines with no hesitation. He's like, they told me you'd be asleep. <laughs> he just suffocates him uh-huh. with a pillow. Yes. Um, so Shaw is now a sleeper agent, ready to kill. No memory of his crimes. The perfect infiltrator into America. Medal of Honor winner who's going to doubt his credentials. Uh, mm-hmm. Ready to go for the forces of communism to do whatever they Here's- plan on doing. Here's where it sort of went off for me. I thought they were going to like bring him into power. I thought they were going to have him because he was just such a clean cut kind of guy. And, you know, I didn't know they were just going to, he had the medal of honor. He had the pet, the political pedigree. Instead, they decided, no, we're going to take this asset and make him just murder, (laughs) just murder. (laughs) Um, So distraught, unable to sleep or to really even function in society. Uh, Marco, he's reading like a million books a day on I random subjects. <laughs> he keeps. He said he got he got them sent from someone. From someone San Francisco. Sent some books. He just San he Francisco. Just, yeah, he just sends them books. And he's just like. Then I start suspecting he. It's part of his conditioning too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. You know that you have a you had a reason to be suspect. Of yeah, everyone is. Everyone was there. Everyone was part of it. So Marco decides to visit Shaw in New York. Because of this dream, he's just like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to go see what's happening. So on mm-hmm. the train, he's so sleep deprived, so unable to function. He can't, can't even light, light a cigarette. cigarette. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, wow. wow. <laughs> um, Tough life. He drops it into his gin, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, well, what are you going to do? He tries to get up, knocks over the table, causes mayhem. And naturally, the woman next to him is like, who's this guy? Uh <laughs> He causes the scene. That's not how you pick. That's not a pickup move. I don't know what it is. (laughs) So she follows him to the other car. She strikes up a conversation. Uh, She reveals her name is Eugenie Rose Cheney. And he's like, "What do your friends call you, Eugenie?" She's like, "No, my friends call me Rose." And he's like, "Well, why didn't you introduce yourself as Rose?" (laughs) This lady's suspect too. Very suspect. She is suspect. She's just given him so much information. She's like. Can you remember these numbers? Two, eight, <laughs> yeah. four, three, seven. She oh. repeats her phone number like three times. Just yeah, looking he repeats him in the it face. back to her. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm and he, like, meanwhile, oh. he's not making any contact, eye contact. He's sort of looking away. I um, From that point on, I was like, she's in his head or she is the hypnotist. And yes. he's imagining her. You know? <laughs> yes. That's um, a blonde. So Chun Jin... The, the scout who gave them away in Korea. The traitorous. He comes Turn. to Shaw's apartment. He asks him for work. Shaw's like, what can you do? And he's like, oh, anything. I'll do anything. I can cook. Shaw's just like, whatever. I'm leaving. Have my dinner ready by five. Mm-hmm. He's hired. And <laughs> you get every other Sunday off. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> um, so Marco naturally shows up to Shaw's $60 a week. Only $60 a week. You know, well, back then that was a living wage. Maybe not in New York. Maybe not in Manhattan. Maybe he had to. He couldn't afford his own rent. He had to stay with his cousin. (laughs) 
so Marco, he knocks on the door. Chunjin opens it. He's just like, screw this guy. Uh-huh. Violently attacks yeah. him. Judo chops oh, yeah. him. Extended karate scene uh, where apparently they didn't use any stunt doubles. And uh, Frank Sinatra like split his hand open. It was bleeding everywhere. Um, there was fake glass. And they were rumbling and rolling and <laughs> smashing into things. He, so and- he, Shaw beats or Marco beats him up. Demands to know what happened. He says, how did the old ladies turn into Russians? What was Raymond doing with his hands over uh-huh. and over again as, he, as he's breaking his ribs, <laughs> stomping them, stomping them in the ribs? So naturally, Marco is arrested. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> he does this corrupt meeting of hired help. And then, fortunately, he remembers one phone number who took yep. call. And it's yep. the blonde lady that he just met on the train. Like, <laughs> okay. And she posts his mail. And tells Marco that now she was engaged. That's off. She yeah. is enraptured Every, by Marco. Everyone moved them. so fast in the 60s or 50s. Like <laughs> this couple, Shaw and the other girl, like they. Whew, it's fast. just like, I like you. We're getting married. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, time is short. The bomb might go off tomorrow. Screw it. Um, so Marco returns to Shaw's apartment. Uh, he's like, what, what's the deal with, uh, you know, your hired help? What's the deal with the, all this stuff? And unprompted, Shaw reveals that he received a letter from Melvin that details mm-hmm. the same dream that Marco has been suffering. This is a light bulb mm-hmm. moment for Major Marco. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he returns to Washington. Not, not for Shaw, though. Shaw's too busy Shaw's talking like, about how he hates his mom. Yeah. And, like, how his mom, uh, like... He also hates Christmas. You know, it's well, no, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that's coming up. No, that's the same scene, isn't no, it? No, 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 no. This is this mm. is before. So in the next scene, okay. Uh, okay, Marco identifies the two pictures of communist generals in a sort of intelligence mm. meeting, and we find gotcha. out that Melvin has separately identified these same photos at a base in Alaska. Oh yes. So we flash back to that before he's up in New York, and yes. then we find out that he's tracking show yes he's, he's tracking monitoring and gotcha, gotcha gotcha so army intelligence says go ahead investigate this guy Which really just a great move from army intelligence using a potential another potentially conditioned <laughs> asset to monitor <laughs> a clearly conditioned probably hasn't asset. slept in months this mm-hmm. drinking mm-hmm. and smoking non-stop um so but Marco, they have a, a close personal relationship so it's the he's the only one for the job he's yes he's the only guy shaw actually likes because shaw doesn't like anybody uh, no so, one likes him either no <laughs> so marco returns to new york he sort of strikes up the friendship with shaw uh next thing we know they're getting drunk together on christmas eve shaw is hammered he obviously doesn't drink as much as marco does and he's just they going on and on down. about how he can't be loved how he's not lovable and how they he put hates down champagne bottles, like <laughs> two champagne bottles. So that's going to be a bad hangover. Yeah. And, and he, he's going to be in bad shape. Well, he, you know what? You have to a... fix that in the 60s. Lots and mm-hmm. lots of cigarettes. Ah, yes. yes, yes. <laughs> so, it's, it's called synergy. Yes. Shaw goes on and on about how he hates his mother, how he can't be loved, how he can't love anyone. But the one time in his life he did feel loved, and lovable was the summer before his deployment to Korea 
flashback. Flashback. Uh, after oh, being <laughs> after being bitten by a snake, wouldn't you wouldn't you know? While out on a walk at a sort of lakeside residence, and must have been New England somewhere, right? Yeah, I think they said Long Island. That's where their their oh, really? summer okay. houses were. Yeah. Uh, so a young woman uh, assists him, who tells him how happy her father will be that she was bitten by a snake because yeah. her father is so terrified that it's going to happen that he's, it's just going to make his summer to know that somebody <laughs> was bitten by a snake. Yeah. And luckily because of her father's fear, she has, she has all the things to fix him up. And Shaw's just she sort of like laying there. He's just like, whatever. I don't care she if like, I die. <laughs> I mean, it's, she does take off her shirt and wrap the wound. So, yes. you know, that's pretty, uh, He's She's like, like hey, do that's... you have a handkerchief? And he's like, no. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, well, maybe why don't you, maybe why don't he did, you use but your he shirt? was just, yeah, he's just using yeah. a move on her. <laughs> uh-huh. So, so Lots she... of good moves. Yeah. <laughs> take, your, take notes. They're like Barney Stinson moves. <laughs> like... Well, Shaw just gives off this impression of just like, fuck it. Like, I don't care. Then everyone mm-hmm. is just like, wow, what's going on with this guy? Mm-hmm. Um, so she takes him home to help his recuperation to meet the, the father who's so delighted that he was bitten by a snake. Uh, the father turns out to be Senator Thomas Jordan, a man yep. who Shaw's mother repeatedly attacks as a communist. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of bad blood between the families. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, oh, I thought that was Senator Island's residence. And he's like, no, it's mine. My father died and he left it to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so they sort of joke about, wouldn't it be funny if you were to marry my daughter? And Shaw's like, you know what? That might just piss my mom enough that it might be worth it. Yeah. Uh, he, in first meeting, he says, I think I want to marry your daughter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they start dating. Uh, it, see, it goes on for the summer. We don't really get a whole lot of the courtship. But uh, eventually we get a scene where the mother's we, just We get like, a lot of them frolicking around and rolling around and him, him chasing her from behind and tackling her and then him <laughs> smooching in the sand. And Real romantic we, stuff. We get a scene with the mother who's like, this man is an enemy to everything that we stand for. I have documents in Washington that prove this man's association with the Communist Party. If you could see the things that I know about this man. And she's just so relentless. Uh, Shaw is worn down. He breaks up with her. It it really it kind of it makes Shaw a sympathetic character because you can see that his mother had already conditioned him to be uh, do whatever she wanted. That's true. So even before he was captured, he was you know, he was browbeaten, shaped. He was. I, I said it kind of ironic that Raymond's mother primed him to be his brain to be washed by actual communists. <laughs> That's in my notes. That's in your notes. That's mm-hmm. pretty good. That's very active yeah. viewership. Um, mm-hmm. So they break up. We go back to the present day. I think they bonded over that drunk, drunk Christmas Eve. Neither one. Yeah, he gets a little nicer. He, yeah. he, he likes him. Um, so in the present day, we're at a bar. Uh, Shaw comes in. Bar keeps telling a story to a couple guys. Shaw sits down. The guy says, uh, telling his story, maybe you should pass the time playing solitaire. And yeah. Shaw's like, hey, can you give me a deck of cards? Uh, he starts to play until he puts down the Queen of Diamonds. This puts Shaw into sort of a strange mental state. And the bartender, continuing his story, says, uh, why don't you take a cab up to Central Park and jump in the lake? 
Mm-hmm. And just as Marco is entering, Shaw briskly leaves, hails a cab to Central Park, walks down the stairs until he gets to the little pond next to the boathouse and jumps it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Marco follows so- him the whole way, witnesses the event. He's like, what the hell happened? Shaw has no memory of it. Uh, Good conditioning. Marco, with his big brain, the Frank Sinatra brain, concludes the deck of cards must be some kind of trigger. And with Mm -hmm. the help of the military psychiatrist, deduces that the Queen of Diamonds is the most likely card to be the ultimate trigger. Because it it wouldn't be worth it to be a numbered card. It's got to be a face card. (laughs) That's what they tell us. It's like, we can can roll out the men. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He's too important. It's too important. Yeah. Um, So Shaw's mother, Eleanor, Besides, oh, during that chasing, because Sinatra's chasing Shaw around mm-hmm. the boathouse. Did you notice the? They went to the place where the the end of John Wick two, or John Wick. Yeah, <laughs> very sweet. very notable part of Central Park. Very notable. They use that all the time, don't they? I actually had lunch at that boathouse before. It's a very very uh, nice place to have lunch. Although you gotta you gotta make a reservation because the wait well, time is very long. It probably wasn't that long back when this was filmed. New York, New York City looked bearable and clean, and like there were maybe half as many people there. That's what it at least seemed like. Uh, New York in black and white looks like a very different sort of thing. Um, so Eleanor, like you could actually drive in the city. <laughs> yes, the rent is very affordable. You can just move to Korea and move in with your brother. Um, <laughs> So Eleanor decides to throw a fancy dress party because she hears Jocelyn Jordan, uh, Shaw's former beau, is returning from Paris. She's like, hmm, what's, what's, uh, why is Eleanor so keen on Jocelyn all of a sudden? Um, during the party. She's come around. She's come takes, around and uh, she wants to merge the, she wants to make like. Join the houses. Thrones, join the houses, yeah. <laughs> uh, she takes Shaw aside into a little room and reveals that she is the American controller. I still didn't pick it up. Really? Thought, <laughs> no. Because, uh, well, I mean, the theme party, very weird theme. I don't know what they, there were cowboys, there were pharaohs. There the were senator like is dressed Lincoln. up as like Lincoln. He has like a real yeah. fixation on Lincoln. I think yeah. Shaw is like a cowboy. Yeah, I didn't understand the theme. It's but, just fancy dress. So when she got into play solitaire, I was just like, mm, you know, seems... Like maybe she had done this with him before, I, I, you know. And then the 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 communists had the same sort of manipulation. Yeah, I, I you didn't did, you so, didn't pick up on that. So I said, "Oh shit!" Does the mom know about solitaire too? And and then when she the mom gets pulled away back to the party and just leaves him there, she takes the queen of diamonds. Yes. so that nothing can happen. Yes, but Jocelyn comes in wearing a Queen of Diamonds, a full Queen of Diamonds costume. So I thought maybe Jocelyn knows (laughs) what's going on too. Uh (laughs) So so still sort of hypnotized, he's just like under Jocelyn's spell. I mean, he was already in love with her, but now it's just like I'll do whatever you say. Oh yeah, they get married. Oh yeah, they just Mm -hmm. leave the party and they get married. Meanwhile, back at the party, Eleanor tries to convince Senator Jordan to support Island's attempt to secure the party's nomination for vice president. Senator Jordan be able to do it. Senator Jordan is like, if this man was a communist agent, he could not have done more harm to our nation. Um, mm-hmm. 
Ba-da-da-da. Uh, so with Shaw missing, Marco tries to find him. Naturally, he shows up at his apartment and discovers Shaw with Jocelyn and Jordan. Shaw's the happiest mm-hmm. he's ever been. He's telling jokes. Yep. Uh, he never like, tells jokes. He's like, that's the I first joke he's Marco, ever told. I've told a joke. Write it mm-hmm. down in your diary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so despite Marco wanting to take Shaw in, he is convinced by Jocelyn to give him 48 hours together as she believes she can shake Shaw out of whatever sort of funk he's in and get him back to 100%. Um, but furious with Senator Jordan's rebuff, Eleanor tracks down Shaw, gets control of him, and has him kill the so Jordan messed up at their home. So messed up. <laughs> Just like uh, with a, a silencer gun. He walks Just in. Shoots. The, the oh. senator is like, what are, you, what are you doing here, Shaw? Jocelyn is upstairs. He takes the milk out. Shaw is like, I thought you'd be asleep. <laughs> and shoots him through the milk carton. Jocelyn hears, hears the voices, oh. comes downstairs. Shaw, bang, shoots her dead too. Oh, so cruel. What a mean <laughs> mom. <laughs> Afterward, he has no memory of the killing, but I've, naturally, he's very upset that his, his mm-hmm. wife and his father-in-law were murdered in their home. He's like, who, who could have done such a thing? <laughs> and Sinatra figures out, uh, okay, he's, he's on to this. He knows the trigger. Yep. He's going to break the condition. Yep. Which, uh, how the hell is he still in charge of this? Why? <laughs> like once he let those two people die, they would have taken it away. Um, yeah. Because he's, he's the only guy that Shaw would, would like. I mean, he'd be resistant to anyone else. Um, yes. Marco gets a pack of cards that's all Queen of Diamonds um, mm-hmm. and conditions him, tries to reprogram him. He's like, the, the hypnosis is broken. You can do whatever you want. But at this point, who knows if it worked? Because in the next yeah. scene, Eleanor primes Shaw to assassinate their party's presidential nominee at the height of the Democratic or I, they don't say actually what party they're in. Uh, we can the, assume <laughs> at the height of the convention. But so they, that, uh, she be, this is because she has uh, she knows that her husband Isam cannot be the presidential candidate, so yes. she's got him on the ballot as the vice president. Yes, and is, she's like, uh, he will have a speech that has been worked on for ten years here and in the east, and it will be the most rousing speech anyone has ever heard <laughs> oh um, is this where she smooches him too yes she gives her her son a big old yes smooch. she's like she says, she's like i never knew that they would program my own son to mm-hmm. be this assassin and once my husband is president we will take our vengeance on them <laughs> it's really that's machiavellian that's super yeah that's dark yeah so they, they yes she like while he's hypnotized, she kisses him. Very taking advantage of the situation much. Um, Come on, uh, murder. She wrote, you know. <laughs> um, so in really the uproar, Iceland will become president. They're gonna establish an authoritarian regime. Um, it it, yeah. may, it so, um, makes anarchy look makes militant look like anarchy. What did yeah, she say? She makes like, like a that? military dictatorship look like anarchy. So it's going to be Iron Fist, Mama Shaw, taking, like taking charge. Um, 
so Shaw was supposed to sort of recontact with Marco. He doesn't show up. We see oh. Shaw enter Madison Square Garden, disguised as a priest. He takes up a little spot in the, it's like the lighting room or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. He's something got up a, in the rafters. Spotlight booth. Yeah. Uh, he's got his sniper rifle. We've learned he's a crack shot ever since. Never Shaw missed was, anything in life. Never missed anything. Um, waiting for the call. Uh, Marco sort of is like, screw it. He's never going to call him and his buddy, Colonel Melt race to the convention to stop him. Uh, they get there. They're stopped because they start playing the national anthem. And as good military men, they, they'd stop in their tracks and they have to salute the flag, but time is running out. Uh, Marco mm-hmm. eventually sees a ray of light through a window sort of in the, up in the rafters takes a long shot. Guess Shaw's going to be there races through Madison square garden. Meanwhile, the presidential candidate has come up to make his speech. Marco tries to get to the room. It seems like it's going to be too late. Right at the appointed moment, Shaw takes aim at the presidential nominee right when the moment is about to come. In the last moment, Shaw aims away, shoots Senator Eisen in the head, shoots his mom in the head. Marco breaks inside. Shaw's like, not even the army could have stopped him. I had to do it. Then Shaw, mm-hmm. wearing his Medal of Honor around his neck, boom, shoots himself. <laughs> wow. <laughs> right. oh, but, uh, talk about an explosive ending. Then we have yeah. a little coda later that evening. Marco speaking to, uh, I guess, his fiance now, Eugenie. Rosie, Eugenie, Jenny. <laughs> uh, privately mourns Shaw's death. Eventually, he's like, this is a guy I like. Uh, did you the, like it that, as much that, as I did? <laughs> yeah, I liked it a lot. I did think that they were very sweaty throughout. It's a, it's a sweaty film. They wake up with night sweats. They go to trains on sweats and night well, sweats. Sinatra, I think must you, have can, been you can smell the alcohol in his sweat watching it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, they're, they're dripping. And it's not just the scene where he's running through Madison Square Garden. No, it's, it, it's all it, the time. I think it was uh, twisty turning enough to keep you kind of guessing the whole time, keep you involved. And, and now we've seen all these, you know, fight clubs, things in your head, like the, you know, twists that you can, uh, you think you can see them coming and you still don't really see them coming. No. Um, I think the, the main takeaway is that people back then had a lot of mommy issues, <laughs> um, you know, this psycho mommy dearest yeah. lots of lots of mommy problems back then well um, this would have been uh, the year after psycho actually yeah so in both cases the son murders the mother in mm-hmm. both cases there's a suggestion of possibly an incestuous relationship so yeah mm-hmm. I, I hear i hear a, a phd thesis coming from mr dick on uh wow <laughs> yeah oh man you think i'm oh i can do that i, can just I think, I think you got it already you just seen a lot of filler you just seen about 300 pages of filler i'll put it on my <laughs> wordpress um so uh i don't know when i saw this movie as soon as i had the sort of scene where he has the nightmare with the uh yeah. gardening committee i was like wow this is different i haven't seen anything like this well uh, even before then like the, the where they had some good wide shots where they're going and get, they get ambushed. Mm-hmm. They had cool, like 
seeing them all walking on the cusp of the mountain and the the um, sky behind them and all that yes. stuff. So it was it very cool very stuff. crisp black and white photography. Yeah, obviously there are some downsides to black and white, but it can be very uh, good for close ups and sort of contrast. Mm-hmm. A big thing Frankenheimer uses is like a close-up on one side of the screen and deep mm-hmm. focus on the other. You get that with the right before the ambush. You have the Korean guide on one yep. side and everyone sort of comes towards the camera on the other. Um, mm-hmm. The very famous shot from this movie is the giant queen of hearts sort of in the foreground and you get uh, Angela Lansbury in the background where it's sort of like mm-hmm. tilted a little bit off. Um if you follow the the Twitter account, one perfect shot, they love they love that shot. <laughs> they post they? that How, they post that about every I, week. Jeez. <laughs> and everyone responds with fire emojis. <laughs> every week? Man. It happens a that's lot. That's engagement. Yeah, it <laughs> is good high engagement. It's yes. Uh, <laughs> so I don't have too many lingering questions. Obviously, you mentioned it before. The big one is just what is Rosie's deal? Um, yeah the first time i saw it i thought for sure she would be involved in some way in the plot yeah that would don't that would make sense because it's you like don't really why why is she characters. so interested in this guy yeah why is she, well, she just so it could be a random no. meeting on a train <laughs> and it, you know frank sinatra was known to be a ladies man but this guy dripping in sweat i, I feel like you can like smell the whiskey through his pores can't even yeah. light a cigarette like the not doesn't exactly scream sexy to me well it, i mean it does to her it says call off this engagement and get with yeah. this, <laughs> this guy. guy this guy's got his life together <laughs> i mean there there's uh did you see windfall yet no okay well windfall everything's you know they set it up they they follow through with it i figured oh, that would be the same case with this sort of this why would she appear well, it's exactly. It been, if she's not a sleeper agent, it's like, what purpose does she serve in the movie? I mean, to just to bail him out, I guess. And just to like know. look and, pretty, just be Janet, beautiful Janet Lee. <laughs> it's like, hey, yeah. we need an attractive woman. Let's hey, wasn't well, she there. also in Psycho? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's another connection. <laughs> another crossover. Yeah. Um, I don't think Lawrence Harvey was a closet homosexual like the star of Psycho, but if he was, boy. Would that PhD mm. thesis just get beefed up anymore, even more? Uh, I want to. How susceptible do you think you are, Carter, to the type of brainwashing? Yeah, just just to any sort of brainwashing. Uh, not very, but it seems like anyone is susceptible to this technique. All right, Chinese All right. communist. I, I saw this. This popped up on YouTube the day after I watched Manchurian Candidate. It's a susceptibility test. Do you oh, want really? to do it? right yeah. now yeah right now you All just right. ask me questions no no, no. You, you gotta close your eyes and put your hands out in front of you both your hands out if i do that am i susceptible <laughs> no, no no this is just the start of it yeah of i'm, so, are, I'm so suspicious already but it's it's easy okay put your hands out the listening okay? audience i'm doing as the instructor and then uh, imagine that your right hand has a helium balloon tied to it mm-hmm. it's it's a helium balloon and how's it feeling pretty good okay and then imagine on your left hand is a heavy book just uh-huh. on that book 
what's going on with your hands? Okay. Now open your eyes. Are they still the same just like level yes. level they were before? Yes. All right. You're not susceptible at all. Good for you. <laughs> for me, I was like, I was like totally spread out. I was like, oh, really? Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you would have just been murdering your platoon colleagues <laughs> without a doubt and i love solitaire so this that just oh my god has everything that i I'm, maybe that's I'm why into. you love it rich you might have you might have been murdering people in your sleep i nah, i like my mom too much for this to <laughs> this to be me well, it could be it could be a professor from college it could be a former boss anybody could be the uh, the agent um Oof. So any, any other lingering questions from the plot for you? Uh, you know, let's see. I think I mean, that, Rosie was the big one because. Yeah, she was the main one. It's just like, what um, other purpose does she serve besides being like an agent I guess, provocateur? I guess. So Shaw has no, he doesn't care about uncovering the plot. He just wants to take vengeance and get himself out of there. Basically, so, yeah. And he hates his mom who, and he hates his stepdad. He's like, screw it. I'm just yeah, going to kill him. Yeah, so partly it was happens revenge. Afterwards? Uh, well, he kills himself. Yeah, um, but there's <laughs> going to be... There, like, Do you think they activate freaking Al Melvin afterwards? And no, because he was the only one playing the solitaire in the dream. So I don't think mm-hmm. there was anyone else who was like a, a, you know, an underground sleeper cell agent who like would kill people i think he was the only one and you know he's I the only one who got they, the medal of honor but i mean the question yeah. is like how many other medal of honor winners yeah i guess they did only have three days so they didn't you know take the time to condition everything there was only seven of them they yeah. could only condition one but but they, you know. come on <laughs> keep them there for a little longer what are they thinking like, get every single one of them. You, the story you know, needs to hold it. up. I mean, the the story still needs to hold up. Um, it can't be gone yeah. for a week. It's like you know what was happening that whole time. They got um, lost in the the marshland. <laughs> but I mean, it does open up the possibility that there are other potential Medal of Honor winners or, uh, you know, war heroes who are behind enemy well, lines for an extended period of time. It does seem like they're one of the. The doctor who uh, sets, who brings Raymond Shaw in and sets him up like he was in an accident for the hypnotist guy. He is in America. He's set up there. It's in a substance abuse clinic or recovery clinic. Yes, that's what he set up. So he's a sleeper guy. He's set up. (laughs) He might might be an awake agent though. He might just be a willing accomplice. Um, Yeah, but you, all the. A sleep agents can sleeper agents can just show up there and he'll take care of them. Well, yeah. So uh, you would assume that all this expense isn't just for the one guy. That there are yeah. probably more. Um, Did and- Raymond Shaw leave a note to who? To to Sinatra? <laughs> no, because he saw him. I mean, uh, maybe he didn't expect to see him. So maybe he. No, I don't think he left any sort of note. Um, he had, sucks. He had, yeah, he had like literally no connections in the world. He hates everyone. Anyone he did like marginally like, he's already murdered. <laughs> um, and I don't think he really even likes Marco very much, but it's just he likes him less than he than he you know hates other people. He like hates most people. Um, yeah. 
So <laughs> what happens to Chun Jin? Uh, the tra- the traitor's translator. If he, if he had what, if he had any sort of awareness of the situation, he would have been gone out of there before it started. If he's back, I think Marco finds him and beats the hell out of him. Um, yeah, breaks the other side of his ribs. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Marco, I mean, he's going to have a tough, tough time moving forward. Uh, talk about... No, he's got a love now. I know, but he's, he's going to be suspicious of everything. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I, I could see I think hitting the bottle pretty hard. Instead of a remake, they should have done a, a sequel. A sequel in Vietnam? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That'd be good. Uh, so I think, I think we covered a good deal of this stuff. You would you would recommend this to people who aren't necessarily interested in older movies, right? This is a pretty watchable old black and white movie, you'd say, right? I'd say so, of course. Yeah. yeah. So I Just, thought this one was a little more palatable for for you than Umbrellas yeah, and Cherbourg. I mean, <laughs> there, there will be blood was very palatable as well. I'd say it was it was up there with there will be blood. I think that uh, the everyone except for Shaw, well. I don't even know how developed the characters really were. You they know? aren't. Like, but that's not really the purpose of the movie, really. Yeah. What it, What is it saying politically? Is it Is it saying our system is already corrupt? Is it saying the communists are bad? Is it saying the communists are not bad? What's he saying? Um, it's just basically saying, like, don't trust anybody. Mm. Uh, that any sort of system of government can be exploited for people with nefarious it doesn't it doesn't present a very good view of like american politicians <laughs> no um especially their wives yeah exactly so <laughs> it's just a, it's a very cynical movie and it's yeah. sort of obviously a product of like you know the nuclear age and uh the cold war sort of era where enemies are everywhere you know mm-hmm. the end of the world is right around the corner i mean that's probably mm-hmm. one of the reasons it did so well at the box office because people were you know, they were pretty scared of sort of what was going on. And this is a movie that very much reflected the sort of cultural attitudes at the time of. Uh, well, it sounds to me like it's primed for a comeback. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. well, I think I think that's why um, um, Jonathan Demme, you know, post Iraq invasion felt like it was a, a topical sort of movie. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't seen the remake, so I I have no place to sort of like judge it on any sort of merits. I've seen a few scenes from it and I was not very, uh, the editing style was a little uh, hectic for my taste. Um, Yeah, they had to juice it up. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, it's, you know, I think movies generally reflect the era in which they were made. I think that's true Mm -hmm. of of most sort of eras. You see it post-World War II, Great Depression. You know, like Snow White is very much a depression movie where people are looking for escapism. Um, mm-hmm. Sort of post-World War II, people want darker stuff because everyone's seen so much death and, you know, the nuclear bomb is there and it's hanging over everybody. And then in Vietnam, you know, they see death and violence on the TV every day. So audience wants to go see stuff like Body and Clyde and the Wild Bunch, which is very violent and, you know, really pushing the envelope where we didn't really see movies that were violent until the sort of late mm-hmm. 60s. Um, so I think this mm-hmm. is very reflective of, it, of its time period and just paranoia. If there's like one word to yeah. describe this movie, it's like paranoid. Um, 
I'm glad that wasn't the time period, the uh, formative time period for movies that I watched. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know. Genetic, horny teen com. Is yeah. Really, what, do, what do you explain? Oh, that's, that's, that's the 90s. It's we, the, the era of excess. Mm-hmm. We have a president who plays mm-hmm. the saxophone and wears sunglasses. Um, you know, that's the sort of sociological read of the 90s is, you know, there's nothing to worry about. America's on top. We we won the cold war let's just have high schoolers have sex um that's 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 my 10 30 second reading without any sort of thought or research beforehand but you know maybe that holds up (laughs) maybe i can be your second thesis maybe (laughs) nobody's really too interested in the post-world war ii uh british drama one that i proposed um so uh Moving on from the questions, we have uh, best of Wikipedia. This was a sparse Wikipedia page. I was I'm disappointed really? in Wikipedia contributors. Um, yeah. So the really the only not, two. I'm not going to donate this year. <laughs> no, I've already done that. They can bother somebody else with their emails. Um, so the only two real big nuggets. One I mentioned before, Frank Sinatra wanted Lucille Ball for the role of Eleanor Islin, um, but they ultimately cast. Uh, <laughs> the lady from Murder, She Wrote, Angela Lansbury, who was only like seven years older than Lawrence Harvey, uh, who plays her son. Oh, well, yeah. they older up. They, yeah, they, they sort of that... young down Lawrence Harvey to a bit. Uh, yeah, they give her what, the, those curls that everyone had. What do what'd you think of Lawrence Harvey? I'm sure you'd never seen uh, him. In, you probably never heard of him before, right? No, no. I, I thought he was fine. I don't know. I didn't see him before. He didn't have a, know. you could very much tell he's an English guy with the accent he uses in the movie. He's well, like, all, they all Mother. have old, old timey accents though. So it's kind of like, you know, British American, you know, hoity toity flipped together. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing I got from Wikipedia is the scene where Shaw has the argument with his mom and his stepmom was filmed on Frank Sinatra's private plane. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that crazy? Yeah, I, at least it's paid for by hard earned singing money, you know. Um, so God, this... that explains the disco ball, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it does. You can imagine what kind of wild stuff Frank Sinatra would get on uh, in his private plane. You can imagine some, some. I, from what I've heard, Sinatra was quite a hard drinking, hard partying man. So I'm sure that that plane yeah. has seen some things. Um, we'll just leave it at that. Um, so, best I'm pretty of, sure I, it was him him, and I think it was Sinatra and some other. He, he was based out of Vegas, right? Dean Martin. Yeah. Sammy D- Davis. Dean Jr. Martin and, and the Rat Pack. Dean Martin. Yeah. I think Sinatra and one of the other ones are responsible for beer carts on the golf course. Really? They, were, they yeah, they they were couldn't go Vegas. three hours without drinking, so they were like, <laughs> yeah, they were like, hey guys, we are going to need you to bring us carts, bring bring it to us on a cart. So they're responsible for <laughs> wow the, the carts and the beers. You can imagine golf would have been a much more of a gentleman's game before Frank Sinatra yeah. changed it. Um, Man degenerates now so this was a very very rich imdb trivia section i'm very proud of the imdb contributors uh for their work on the merit that's real even more shade on wikipedia (laughs) yeah that imdb just blew them out of the water as far as the half-ass internet research is concerned 
Um, but this has some great ones. So the best volume to be trivia. Frank Sinatra broke the little finger of his right hand on the desk in the fight sequence with Henry Silva. Uh, due to ongoing film commitments, he could not rest or bandage his hand properly, causing the injury to heal incorrectly, causing him chronic discomfort for the rest of his life. Surely affected his golf game. Yeah. yeah. I hope he doesn't look funny like Jimmy Fallon's finger. What happened to Jimmy Fallon's finger? Uh, Jimmy Fallon, also a hard party and drinker, I guess, uh, fell and got his wedding ring caught on the side of a table and it ripped his finger off. Holy shit. And then they, and then they sewed it back on. Oh, my God. Uh, that's what I heard. That's, that's what uh, that'll, told me. That could be something to force you to sober up. <laughs> like, wow. I got to reevaluate my life. Yeah. Maybe not. <laughs> that's why I wear a silicone ring. Well, yeah. That's really changed the game. <laughs> um, according to executive producer Howard W. Koch, uh, the budget was $2,200,000. Of that amount, $1 million went for Frank Sinatra's salary. Uh, $200,000 went to Lawrence Harvey's salary, leaving only $1 million for everything else. That's sort of unheard of, that over half the budget is uh, for two actors. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Good for him. I mean, a million dollars in 1962, that could have bought you a private plane. Um, yeah, it, it could have bought him, you know, all the land in Northern California, too, <laughs> all the Vegas land. Um, so the topic of this movie, according to IMDb, was considered so politically sensitive, it was censored and prohibited just before its theatrical release in many of the former Iron Curtain countries, such as Poland, Czechoslovakia, Hungary, Romania, and Bulgaria. Even neutral countries such as Finland and Sweden prohibited its theatrical release. Uh, the premiere in most of those countries was held after the collapse of the Soviet Union in 1993. Dude, there's no way this would be released in China. Like, no. <laughs> dude, no way. Like, China doesn't even let you release, like, Mulan or anything. I think, I think it's uh, something like 18 Hollywood movies are allowed release in China each year. Um, and, you know, it requires a lot of sort of glad handing and sucking up to get those released. So I, I doubt if this is widely available <laughs> for viewers yeah. in China. Um, Joe Adams, who plays the military psychiatrist, was the first black actor cast in a part that was not written as a black character. Wow. Isn't that something? And who yeah. knows if this is true, but that's what IMDb says. And he's the one who breaks the code. He figures yes. out it's the Queen of Diamonds. Very progressive. Very mm-hmm. progressive movie. Um, according to writer and producer George Axelrod, Frank Sinatra had some uh, sort of outlandish demands. Uh, one of them was that all of his scenes had to be scheduled up front and shot in 15 days. And before he left the set, he announced he would have to see every bit of footage he was in. Man, he didn't prevent any sweatiness. So I guess he watched it and thought... It was like, looks good! Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. Uh, The next Frank Sinatra demand, at his request, uh, filming began each day after 11 a.m. because apparently Frank Sinatra could not fall asleep before 5 in the morning. Whoa. And he'd wake up, oh, that is... Isn't that crazy? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. 
Talk about a hard the, the party. Sleeps, the changes of sleep schedules that like actors have to go through seems pretty Not pretty Sinatra. <laughs> no, Sinatra's like, you adjust for me. Yeah. I, I have to, last night I'm singing at the MGM until 2 a.m. And then I got a party till 5 a.m. <laughs> I can't fall asleep until the sun is rising. Um, <laughs> so normally movie shoots start a little earlier. So they had to adjust to his schedule. Um I, that all being said, maybe it's because he doesn't fall asleep until five in the morning, but it really works for this movie. Yeah, um, method. He's like Jared Leto from the- Yeah. Um, so uh, like I said earlier, this is the first use of martial arts in a Hollywood movie. Um, this is what like- What kind of martial arts? Uh, I don't know. This is sort of chopping- um, yeah, chopping, and they walk. They walk towards each other with their like elbows flared a lot. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, yeah. As as a as a UFC expert, what, what would you say it most resembles? Uh, I think that uh, Chun Jin should have would have won very early on when he had like a double uh, <laughs> or a full half Nelson. I think he would have snapped. <laughs> Sinatra was using his, his superpowers of, of mm-hmm. lack of sleep. Um, yeah, yeah. So prior to the, this is a book that came out in the fifties. Um, prior to the commissioning of the book as a movie, uh, Arthur Krem, then president of United Artists and finance chairman of the Democratic Party, uh, apparently felt uneasy about its subject matter. And John F. Kennedy, as a favor to his friend Sanctuary called Arthur Krem to let him know he had no objection to a movie version being made. That sounds nice. like a bit of Hollywood ass kissing from John F. Kennedy, if you ask me. Nice, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, while filming the scene where Rosie first meets Major Marco, Janet Lee was served with divorce papers from Tony Curtis. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, a rough day at work. Yeah. <laughs> Good on her for staying in the scene. Uh, so this is the last one I have. For me, this is by far the best bit of imdb trivia this is like the kind of stuff you know you go through imdb trivia for 20 movies and don't come across something this good um frank sinatra was very well behaved during the filming despite his lack of sleep uh but one day he threw a tantrum and lawrence harvey apparently said to him oh dear having our period are we That's it? I don't know how Frank Sinatra would have responded, but I can imagine quite another tantrum occurring after that. Um, But I just love it when the English actors are just (laughs) they're like, oh, unprofessional much. Yeah. It's like in uh, Marathon Man was a big one with Lawrence Olivier and uh, Dustin Hoffman. Have you heard that one? Oh, Olivier is just like a professional and Hoffman's just like drinking and partying all night long. No, no, no. Well, it's Dustin Hoffman is like a method actor, uh, like Jared Leto. So there's like a scene where his character. The succession guy. (laughs) It's the same same as the succession guy and um, the dad. Yes, very similar. Yeah. Or like uh, Hoffman was up all night because his character was supposed to be tired. And they start doing the scene and Dustin Hoffman is like having a hard time because obviously he hasn't slept. So he can't remember his lines. And Olivier asks him like, why is this happening? And he's like, oh, you know, I stayed up all night because my character's supposed to be tired. And Lawrence Olivier said, Dustin, my dear boy, have you ever tried acting? 
<laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. So true. So yeah, it tells you a lot of what the Brits think about method acting. Um, but that that is that is pretty much all I have. Um, any any closing mm-hmm. thoughts? Any closing questions? Uh, no, no. What should we do next? Do you have any a idea of what you plan on doing next for the next dick pick? No, we've got a list. We'll figure it out. We'll, so, we'll, yeah. we'll do it offline. So, There's a long list. So nice tease for the audience. Uh, we gave you that we we're going to do Manchurian Candidate at the end of last episode. You will just have to wait until April to find out what's coming yeah. for this next one. Uh, would yeah. you recommend this? I asked you before, but <laughs> yes. give, give us a Roger Ebert. How many thumbs up for this one? Uh, two and a half thumbs up. Two uh, and a half. Two and a half thumbs up. Why you're borrowing and... another thumb from a, a bypasser to <laughs> to put halfway up? I don't have up. to borrow the third one. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> indiscreet. Much. And, uh, yeah, and uh, just don't watch it with commercials. You can get through it in yeah. one sitting, and you'll enjoy it a lot, a lot more. Oh yeah, uh, when there's no commercials. Commercials are, are the bane of, of movies. <laughs> yeah, of movies. So yeah, Maturing uh, Candidate, 1962, American Masterpiece. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we will be back next month with a yet-to-be-decided, most likely late 90s, early 2000s, teen romantic comedy. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> so thank you for listening. Uh, see you Have next Have you month. ever tried podcasting, Carter? <laughs> Never. <laughs>